0: Morgan Stickney was 15, and she was a rising star. She was a swimmer with Olympic level potential. Until the day the strange accident happened. It was right before a race, and she was warming up, doing a few jumps by the side of the pool, came down and broke two jellybean-sized bones in her left foot. It was a strange injury. And it seemed like it would keep her out for a couple of months, but time passed, and the bones didn't heal. And still didn't heal. She became dependent on opioids to manage the crushing pain. Surgery after surgery followed, and a staph infection. And years went by. In 2018, about five years later after the first injury, she made the tough decision to have her foot amputated. It was a tough decision, but a good one. It gave her her life back, and it gave her her swimming back. She joined the U.S. Paralympic team and started training for the 2020 Tokyo Paralympics. Several months later came the day when she broke another bone. This time it was in her right foot. And it didn't heal. And it turned out that Morgan had a rare circulatory condition that kept the blood from reaching her lower feet. That was why the first injury had never healed in the first place, and now the second one. And so again, she made the tough decision. And she had her second foot amputated. The recovery was brutal. Her epidural during the surgery failed, and she went through searing pain. She had to learn to walk again using two prosthetics instead of one. And eventually, she returned to the pool again. And she trained again. And against the odds, she made the Paralympic team again. At the end of August and beginning of September this year, the 2020 Tokyo Paralympics were finally held in 2021. And Morgan Stickney won the gold medal in her 400-meter freestyle race. Then swimming as the anchor leg in the 4x100-meter women's relay. She entered the pool five seconds behind the first-place swimmer, made a dramatic and stunning comeback to win the gold medal by three seconds. Morgan Stickney, gold medal champion. It is an amazing story. It's a triumph story. And it's really a classic American sports story, isn't it? It's the kind of story our culture loves with an arc of adversity and more adversity, tough sacrifices, hard work, and victory in the end. You can imagine the movie version with the montage scene of her training after the second accident, before she makes it back to the pool. And it is a fabulous story, and I think it's also a story that a lot of disabled folks would want to remind us to be careful about how we celebrate this story. Because it can feed into our culture's tendency either to put people with disabilities on a pedestal, or to forget them altogether. Morgan Stickney is a great athlete, not a curiosity and not a Hallmark movie. And most people's stories about disabilities or amputation or life-altering injury or illness can't be traced in a dramatic story arc. Really, disability of any kind, injury, disease, it doesn't always mean the Paralympics. It's about everyday life with all the ordinary ups and downs, plus some very specific ones. And most of us don't have the experience of being an elite level athlete. But we can still, I think, imagine our way into what it is like to face a choice of a surgery that will remove part of your body. And indeed, some of you here this morning or online may well have faced that choice. Maybe the removal of a limb, maybe a mastectomy, prostate removal, all kinds of interventions that are radical. They come at a significant cost, but sometimes a necessary one, right? Sometimes such a radical intervention is the only thing that will save your life or give you the fullness of life back. Jesus says hard words to his disciples this morning. If your hand or your foot or your eye makes you stumble, cut it off, pluck it out. Better to lose these parts of your body than to miss your chance at eternal life. And Christians have been stumbling over these sayings ever since. What a terrible choice to make. And yet, what if that were really the choice? Many people have made the choice to save their earthly lives at the cost of a part of their bodies. As a thought experiment, if you knew, if you really knew that your eternal destiny depended on sacrificing some part of your body, who among us wouldn't do it? There are legends that some Christians have actually taken Jesus' words literally over the years. The great theologian, Origen, was rumored to have castrated himself to try to avoid lust, although that may have just been a rumor planted by his enemies. But thank God, most Christians throughout the centuries have understood these words differently. Jesus doesn't seem to have actually been instructing his disciples to go out and wound themselves. The reality is that it's not our hand or our foot or our eye that causes us to stumble. In another place in Mark's gospel, Jesus says that the food we eat isn't what pollutes us because it goes into the stomach, is processed, and then goes out, but that what really pollutes us is the evil thoughts that come forth from the heart from within. And just so it is with these body parts, the eye, the hand, and the foot, these faithful servants that sometimes serve us well and sometimes give us trouble but are not the source of what causes us to stumble. How much easier it would be if we really could just slice off those things within us that harm and destroy the image of God in each of us. What if there was a physical surgery that could slice out our prejudice? It could remove our racism, our sexism, or homophobia. If there was a surgery for addiction, compulsions, self-destructive behavior. Or what if there was a surgery for hard-heartedness, or selfishness, or malicious gossip, or for internalized hatred of oneself? It would be good if we could physically remove those things. It's not quite that simple. Now, this gospel story also has a context that we should take into account. At the beginning of the passage, we hear from John, one of Jesus' disciples. John has a brother named James, and Jesus has nicknamed John and James the sons of thunder, presumably because they're so impetuous. There's another place in the Gospel of Luke where James and John and Jesus and his disciples have been turned away from a certain village. And so John and James come to Jesus and ask his permission to pray for fire from heaven to come down and destroy the village. Jesus says, no. Sons of thunder. And here again, we see John coming to Jesus concerned about someone not showing Jesus and his team the proper respect. Someone out there is actually using Jesus' name to do exorcisms without belonging to their group. John tries to stop him. But Jesus says, no, let him be. Whoever isn't against us is for us. And it's then immediately after this that Jesus starts to speak about this kind of radical surgery on the self. And there's a movement here from cutting off the outsider to a different kind of surgery. It's as if Jesus is taking John's instinct to cut off, John's instinct to reject, to say, you are not part of us, and redirecting it internally. It reminds me of the place where Jesus says, Who are you to judge the speck in someone else's eye? First take the log out of your own eye. One commentator, Dennis Hamm, says about this passage that Jesus is challenging the disciples and by extension challenging us, quote, to be inclusive with regard to people we perceive as outsiders. And instead, take some of our instinct for decisive exclusion and address it to aspects of our lives that may need this kind of radical surgery if our life with God is to be preserved and enhanced. Now, the thing is, it's hard to be your own surgeon. I don't know of any hospital where they allow a surgeon to scrub in on their own operation. And self-improvement, it's something we can chase. We can make New Year's resolutions and engage in self-examination and sometimes make some progress. Indeed, we can improve on a bad habit or two. But decisive transformation is different. A real change of our hearts takes more than our own power. It takes the power of God. The letter to the Hebrews says, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God is able to cut through our spirits and souls and joints and marrow and to discover the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God has a scalpel. The word of God. And that phrase can mean scripture. But it means more than just scripture. For us as Christians, the word of God in its deepest sense means Jesus himself. Who is the fullest expression of God. The fullness of God in a human life. And Jesus has been changing hearts for thousands of years. Sometimes he does it in a moment. There are stories of decisive transformation. Sometimes he does it as a long, slow, patient process, gently freeing us from what it is that binds us. He uses different tools. He uses the sacraments, Baptism, Holy Communion, two of his most powerful tools. And he does it in this life. And I think for most of us, if not all of us, perhaps he'll be doing it in some way after we leave this life as well. Because none of us finishes our earthly course fully ready for the full presence of God. But we don't have to wait. There is transformation in this life, too. Jesus knows what in our spirits is truly part of us, as God created us to be. And he knows what isn't. He knows what is a cancer, or an infection, or a wound. He knows what is choking out God's image within us, and what needs to be cut away. And in the process, he may ask sacrifices of us, but he won't do us harm. Because he is the great physician of our souls.